Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview show for game week 13 of the 17-18 season. I'm Tom Rennie and coming up on the show... Liverpool hosts Chelsea this weekend in the most played fixture in English football this century. The great Champions League battles of a decade ago are now replaced by the battle to qualify for the competition. A win for the Reds and their level on points with the Blues in the top four. But really what we want to know is will Alberto Moreno be forgiven for his latest howler-ridden performance against Sevilla? Was that baby called Jürgen? I don't know. Also, Tony Pulis became the fifth Premier League boss sacked this season. He's gone from West Brom. Gary Mexon in temporary charge for a trip to Wembley to face Spurs. Big week in the Premier League starts on Friday night football with West Ham against Leicester. On Saturday, Manchester United host Brighton and Hove Albion. Crystal Palace take on Stoke. Watford go to Newcastle. It's Swansea, Bournemouth and Tottenham West Brom. The late game is that big one between Liverpool and Chelsea. On Sunday, Southampton-Everton is followed by Huddersfield against Manchester City. Burnley-Arsenal sneaks in there as well. And it's worth mentioning a full programme on Tuesday and Wednesday next week as well. A load of great games, including Chelsea against Swansea and Leicester against Spurs. Now, last time we were doing a Premier League preview show, Matthew Etherington was here and he told me, and I believed him, that West Ham would beat Watford and the season starts last week. Well, of course, it was an utter debacle. Somehow, David Moyes, football genius, was able to make West Ham, one of the worst teams in the league, worse. So I'm happy to say, celebrity Watford fan, our football editor and our producer of this programme, David Walker, is back. Um, Watford were quite good, weren't they? That's the important thing. Yeah, but West Ham were really bad. So bad, Dave, so bad. We We played very well. And I would have been very disappointed to have not won that match because there were a few moments where I was thinking, God, we, we need another goal. You, 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 for as bad as you played, you had chances to score. You had those chances before half-time with the amazing saves, three saves from, from Gomez. Mm. And then Coyote had another chance right at the start of the uh, sort of second half, maybe about 10 minutes in, a little bit before we scored. And my head was in my hands. Mm. I thought he'd scored. A simple chance, about twelve yards out, over the bar. That's one all. They might have, they might have got something. It was, it would have been such robbery, though. I mean, I mean, Andy Carroll set the tone, didn't he? Six seconds in. What, I mean, what amazes me this week as well is there's been no punishment for that. We've seen Umanias banned for, I think it probably was a dive, but there is a debate to be had there. Andy Carroll has basically assaulted somebody, 
And he, he did it against Burnley a few weeks before. He's playing badly. He's got the ump and he basically just elbowed someone in the face. He is playing badly. He's not scored in any of his last 10 competitive appearances. Oh, God. Uh, right. I, I, I mean, did you think of me during the game? Did I, I you was think thinking of my of rage? You. Yeah, I mean, I think of you a lot, Tom, yeah, anyway. Yeah. But I was thinking of you especially during that moment. So full of rage. All right. Look, we'll talk more about West Ham a bit later. Matty Etherington is going to join us on the line and he can tell us just how he managed to get it so wrong. And he filled me with a modicum of hope. Uh, let's look at some of the Champions League games from this week as well before we preview our Premier League action. Uh, and what a Spurs win against Borussia Dortmund, uh, winning their Champions League group through Easy. with a game to spare. No problem. How, I mean, what's interesting about Spurs, and I, and I don't know what you think about it, but it almost feels like how it should be in the sense that they, they play in Europe last year. It doesn't go great. They learn lessons from last year, then improve. And it happens with their cups and it happens with their leagues and it happens with everything they do. Things aren't going great at Wembley. We play some more games there and everything improves. They kind of, almost like Pochettino has a plan to improve things. And fair enough, they lost against Arsenal last week. And I'm sure the bunting will still be up around North London about that because, you know, Arsenal won a game they used to not care about. Yay, we beat Spurs and five years ago. It was, ooh. Uh, but it, j- it just felt like watching the Dortmund game. Again, it was just that gradual growth, which you don't seem to get with any teams. Well, I think Spurs have got a lot of young players, you know, so they are learning. They're, a lot of them are developing at a rapid rate. They've got an exceptional coach who, again, he is... There's a lot of talk at the moment about him not having won anything. And is he going to win anything with Spurs? That's a, a discussion for another day, maybe. But one thing that he has done, undoubtedly, is improve that young group of players mm-hmm. and, and looks like he's continuing to do so. So I don't think we should be that surprised. I mean, I don't think we thought it would be this easy for them considering how badly they struggled last season in the Champions League. Mm. They've, they've come on leaps and bounds this year. I mean, even when they went 1-0 down uh, on Tuesday against Dortmund, you know, they no problem. They came back in. I know Dortmund aren't having a great time of it no. themselves at this season. But, you know, they've, they've, they've moved on. And it's exciting if you're a Spurs fan to think, where, where could we be? They, they got to, was it the quarterfinals under Harry Redknapp when they yep. lost to Madrid before? You know, maybe they think they'll be getting there or maybe further. I mean, I think there's a strong case to be made that there's going to be an English winner of the Champions League, at the very least an English finalist. But of all those teams, it isn't going to be Liverpool. And you know why it's not going to be Liverpool? Because they keep playing Alberto Moreno. Now, last week there was articles in the papers. He's a change player. Jurgen Klopp had a chat to him in the summer and said, focus on defending and all this sort of stuff. And what we saw against Sevilla was the same Moreno we've seen time and time again. Careless in the tackle, poor concentration, poor positioning. Uh, And Liverpool, I mean, massive game against Chelsea this weekend. And their issue continues to be the fact that back door is always open. It's entertaining. It's thrilling. It's exceptional to watch. It's kind of what football's meant to be like. However, it's not like that. There is a certain level of, are we defending today? Do we have someone at left back who can who can actually defend? I mean, it's just amazing to me that we had all this bump in the press last week about the rejuvenation of Moreno. It's nonsense. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, it's, a, it's, a, it's a subject we've come on to a lot of times this season, haven't you? You're continuously banging your head against their judgment. Wall. Their judgment, Dave. But their record, though, if you look at it in the Premier League at home, defensively isn't bad. Which I know, you know, doesn't tell the whole story. Stats, there are there are clear problems. Are there are clear teams, problems, Dave. but they have been on a very good run, you know. But they they just when you think they're going to do it, they do seem to fall back to those same old inadequacies, those same old defensive deficiencies. You know, just looking at some of the stats, I'm sure we're going to get onto the game against Chelsea later on. But they have allowed their opponents the highest quality goal scoring chances on average in the Premier League this season. Their expected goals against 
suggests that the opposition should be expected to score with 14.6% of their chances. Are you so still give, going with expected goals? Yeah, you're, giving, still, you're still doing it? They are giving away a lot of high-quality chances, so easy chances that they're, that they're giving away. Not just, you know, not conceding goals from long range. They're, people are having opportunities to score centrally in positions where they are expected to score more often than not. I, I feel as if, along with the expected goals, you need to stop wearing those Crocs and double denim, right? Things are a fad. How dare They're you? gone. Crocs? They're gone. They were I'm a fad, not wearing double denim, nor Crocs. He is. Don't lie to the audience. This is what you've come in dressed as, because you, you like a fad, you get into that fad, and then you stick with it. Expected goals are the Crocs of football. Um, let's talk about Embrace Man United. Embrace it, Tom. Embrace I, I refuse. I refuse. Uh, I, I, I trust the old papers. Right, what about Man United? Um, a loss against Basel <sighs> in midweek. I loved listening to Mourinho moaning. It makes me so happy. It fills my soul with glee mm. when he comes out and says, well, we should have scored 10 in the first five, 10 minutes. Yeah, they probably should have done. But the issue is, apart from one last week, uh, and it was a bit of a rout by the time he did score, Lukaku isn't scoring. And when Lukaku's not scoring, Man United are going to have problems. They are. Well, they have got Pogba back now, though, which mm. is something that they definitely missed him yeah. when they're out there. Their overall sort of productivity, I think, definitely went down um, in his absence. They definitely dipped, and Man City have, have been the team that everyone's been looking at. They've, they have gone from strength to strength, mm. sweeping all before them, and United haven't been able to keep pace with them. So this result against Basel, Basel the defeat against Basel, puts pressure on them now because they've got that crucial Champions League game in between mm. the two games, one of which is the Manchester derby. But I think they have to lose quite significantly don't they, to, get, to not make the, the knockout stage. I think they could finish second, which would obviously be a bit of a blow. Yeah. But to win the group, yeah, they've got to win been, it if it they could lose have been a like complete, 7 or 8-0 yeah, or something. It could have been a complete dead game, though. Yeah. Uh, and worth briefly mentioning this as well, Manchester City uh, beat Feyenoord in midweek uh, with potentially the new Arsenal manager, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, in charge, uh, according to some oh, of the yeah. paper reports coming in this week. Though, of course, we know Arsene Wenger is never, ever going to leave. But what's great about this, you may have seen this video going around social media on Thursday. There's a video of Pep Guardiola and Raheem Sterling, and he's showing him in training for about 90 seconds. It's quite a long watch, uh, and it's, he's showing him what he does when he receives the ball. You receive it, you spin this way, and he's saying, don't look this way, don't look that way. Make sure that when you receive it, depending on where you are, you pull the unnatural way and go into space. It's a great, great video. And then the video goes on to show you he did exactly that for the goal against Feyenoord. It's identical. What he told him to do, how to do it, when to do it. And it was just one of those things where those little training ground insights, because I wonder, obviously being a West Ham fan, what they do in training apart from five asides and Twitter. But what they're obviously doing is working on making players better. And it was an obvious example and a clear example and a really enjoyable example of what a great coach can do to a good player. Well, there's been a lot written and a lot said about what Pep Guardiola does. You know, you have a lot of people who they're very eager to write him off and say he's overrated and he only ever wins with expensive teams and with the best teams. But the people that that are backing Guardiola, his disciples, if you like, are mm. the ones that really do know what he does on the training field. And his whole mentality, he has a, you know, that word, he has a philosophy of oh. how football should be played. By the gong. Someone do the cliche gong. No, but he does, and and that's where it, that's where the hard work is done. It's all about the how getting players to think in a certain way, you know. And he improves players, just like we said with Poch. He improves mm. players. Yeah, I mean it's it's brilliant. I Sterling is a perfect example. He's had a great season this season. He, you know, he has been a player that has been periodically written off. Mm. His goals and assists this season are great. He's playing really well, and that's good for English football. 
Uh, yeah, I like that positivity, Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're back. You know, normally I just get liars from Matthew Etherington. Uh, listen, we're going to get Matthew Etherington on later to tell us out why West Ham are so rubbish when he said it was going to be good. But when we come back, Michael Jubry, Jubes himself, is back. And he's going to talk to us about how Chelsea, firstly, have got through so easy in the Champions League. What's happened to Eden Hazard? He seems like he's back to his absolute oh, best yeah. out of nowhere. And also how they're going to get on against Liverpool this weekend. You're listening to the Premier League Preview Show. Seven inside the penalty area for Severe Clark and climbs high, pumped in for 3-3. Pizarro's equalised, and you have to say they deserve it on the balance of the second half performance. Liverpool will be mortified, they've let a 3-0 lead slip. Williams going to get a shot away from the edge of the area. That is a stunning goal to top off a superb European night for Chelsea. It's his second of the game. It's the Premier League champions four. You're listening to the Premier League preview show for game week 13 of the season. The Christmas period starts here. Games coming thick and fast. Tom Rennie and David Walker with you. Let's get on to Liverpool-Chelsea, shall we? It's a 5.30 kickoff uh, from Anfield, and we are joined by our former Chelsea defender to talk about this game. Liverpool unbeaten in their last five Premier League meetings with the Blues. Chelsea haven't lost any of their last five Premier League visits to Anfield. Something's got to give, hasn't it? Former Chelsea defender Michael Jubry. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, mate. I'm doing very well indeed. Listen, talk to me about Chelsea first, your former team. It's been a strange old season, hasn't it, for the champions? A few weeks ago, we're writing Antonio Conte off. We're talking about the fact he can't get on with Louise, he can't get on with senior players. Is he going to go? And last couple of weeks, and specifically in the Champions League in midweek, he's getting big performances from big players. Morata and Hazard have been as good as any double act Chelsea have put together in the last five, six years. I know, it's a strange season, isn't it? I mean, if you listen to all the stuff written about Chelsea, you think there's two points above relegation. <laughs> and then when you look, you know, they're in third place, you know, and you know, and just looking like they're, they're going to get stronger. Um, you know, Conte, he's doing it his way, which is good. Um, for other seasons, everyone's always talked, spoke about player power at Chelsea, and it seems like it's gone old school and gone manager power, so that's good. Um, performances have been on the rise. Uh, and it's, you know, Hazard's back and he's on form, so it's kind of coincided with that. But it's, it's good just to see that there's performances going in and we're speaking about Chelsea football rather than politics at Chelsea, and, that, and that's a good thing. Well, let's talk politics at Chelsea. That's what I want to know about. Uh, David yeah, Luiz was back in the starting eleven for the game against Carabag in midweek. Do you think you'll be in Chelsea's strongest eleven, which will face Liverpool this weekend? Um... I think not. I think it was a, it was a, it was, a, it was a good chance for Conte to mix it up, rest a few players because you know he's been um, saying about the fixtures and Liverpool having a day more of rest. Um, Christensen rested. Uh, I think uh, Cahill rested as well. Yeah. So I think I, I think they'll be back. Um, be strong. I think David Luiz. You know, he come back and you know not everyone was his biggest fan. I'd, I'd admittedly say I was a bit dubious about him. Put a great season, won the league. But then the whole floor starts coming back. I think when he gets comfortable, he gets relaxed, and then he makes mistakes. And I think that's what was happening this season. Maybe what um, Conte, if they know what, hey, feet back firm on the floor, get back to defending to find yourself back in this team. Otherwise, I've got players that can do what I want them to do. I want to ask you about Mohamed Salah. A player that scored nine goals in the 12 appearances in the Premier League for Liverpool this season. He's absolutely on fire. He only appeared 13 times in the league for Chelsea and scored just twice a few years back. But do you see him being a real key player in this match? Could come back to haunt Chelsea? 
Um, it's built up to be that way. Um, he's a good player. Everyone makes out like Chelsea didn't use him. You know, players have their peaks, and I think he, at Chelsea it wasn't the right time for him. He's gone away. He's gone to Italy, done well, learned, improved. He's come back, and he's a different player. Um, but that that front three of Liverpool were very dangerous. Um, will he haunt Chelsea? Let's hope not. But you know, the form he's in, he's, he's broke Robbie Fowler's Premier League mm. uh, starting record. Um, you know, he's, he's he's in there up there as one of the top Liverpool players in history for goal scoring start. So let's hope that Chelsea can stop him and stop that record. Both teams have got exceptional forward lines at the moment. Yeah. You know, Maratta's on fire. Hazard's on a great run of form. Fabregas is supplying those assists like he always does. So really, you'd, you'd think it will come down to who's, who, whose defence can stand up the best to what the other team has got. And you'd have to go with Chelsea, wouldn't you, on the evidence of this season? Yeah. Um, Liverpool's defence is their Achilles heel, their weak backbone, their weak spine. I mean, it's, it's their problem, isn't it? You know, Everyone's saying, well, if you sort their defence out, they'll be up there winning leagues. But you know what? You know, everyone's got an Achilles heel and it seems to be theirs. Um, Chelsea uh, seemed a bit frail, not as strong as it was last season, league winning, but it's getting there. You know, Aslacuata, Mr. Steady Eddie, you know, eight or nine out of ten performances and topping in there with his assist. Um, Gary Cahill started to come into a little bit of form. Christensen found himself in there. Um, so they looked at the two defences, you'd say that they were the stronger one, and hopefully that's the, uh, the way it pans out um, when they play each other. Mike, I wanted to ask you about what Jurgen Klopp said after the game against Sevilla midweek. For those that missed it, Liverpool raced into a 3-0 lead. It ended up 3-3. The the coach of Sevilla reveals he's got cancer at half-time. It's an incredible kind of game for the ages thing. However, after the match, Jurgen Klopp says he has no problem with the mentality of his players. I wanted to get your view as a former player. When you've failed to win a game like that, when you've had such a big blow like that, they're cruising Liverpool and then utterly crumbled in that second half. It's been three days between those two games, the one against Sevilla and the yeah. game against Chelsea. Is that enough time to recover? Uh, and, and is the mentality a massive issue for some of these Liverpool players from the game? I, I, I believe that um, mentality is a massive thing that separate the great from the elite and you know and the, the substandard players and teams. Um, the reason he said that, I think he's protecting his players from any barrage of from the press and that he's standing there. I think that's a good thing for the manager. But I think behind closed doors, that would have been like something that they would have tried to address, look into, you know, and I think he'd had a few stern words to say because that's unacceptable by any team. Even I coach my, my boys under 10, if they had a 3 0 lead and lost it, I wouldn't be defending them in front of the parents. I'd be saving <laughs> them all and saving my job. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think that behind closed doors, in three days, you know, can you work on mentality? Not in three days. Um, but there'd be some work for them to go home and re- look at themselves. And, you know, sometimes it's been accused of uh, many teams, their mentality is stopping them. Arsenal has been accused of the mentality mm. has stopped them from winning leagues for years. And I think the, the Liverpool team, um, that might be something of them that, that to labour them. I don't see a massive leader in that in that lineup. someone to to go, wait, come on, I don't see a leader in there. Henderson, their captain, as much as he's trying, I still don't see him like really that leader type. He leads them, but not someone they're going to aspire and look to. They, mm. they need another one to go alongside him, and I don't see that. So, yeah, I think there's a weakened mentality in that team. 
I mean, we've got to get on to one of our favourite topics here on the programme, and that's Alberto Moreno. Now, I don't know if you read any of the stuff in the, the newspapers in the UK last week about, oh, he's changed his ways, become a good defender all of a sudden. Uh, he watched Milner play in front of him, and he saw that as a big wake-up call. And against Sevilla, it's everything we come to expect from Moreno. And, and yeah, he's had a baby this week, and why not have slept very much, and all that sort of stuff. But how many times does Jurgen Klopp need to keep learning the same lesson? I mean, it, it's almost like his Dortmund team towards the end. When he'd lost those star players like Lewandowski and Goethe, who could win him a game, what was left was a really poorly organised defence. And we keep seeing it, don't we? They just need to get a decent fullback in and, and get a Michael Jubry type. Someone who knows how to be in the right position and clear the ball. They bought one in the summer. Robertson. Yeah, I, 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 believe, I believe sometimes... My, my gripe sometimes nowadays, you know, there's some great players and great forwards, but you just need sometimes a defender, players to want to defend. And there's that coming out. They don't want the, the assist and this. I mean, you just need someone to, to want to defend and love the art of defending, mm. love the art of clean sheets, love the art of stopping. The one-on-ones never get beaten. And it seems to have, have gone a little bit. Um, and, you know, you look at the the Liverpool defence, it needs that. And, and a lot of defences in in the league and in football, you know, the, the top, top defenders are ones that just can defend and like to defend and love to defend. You know, want a, a clean sheet, love a clean sheet, will dive in front of the ball for a clean sheet. And I'm not talking old school, Terry Butcher, blood round the forehead and kind of that, but just defend and, and love the art of defending. And, you know, everyone's doing their job. And if your job is scoring goals and my job is to stop goals, I'm going to do my job and be the hero for the team that way. And there's not a lot of that. And, you know, I, I see some of the, the, the defending that goes on and it, it's, not, it's not pretty, it's not good. And it's not something you can show kids and say, this is how to defend. Dave, can I follow up on something you mentioned there about Andrew yeah. Robertson? Because yeah. he impressed a lot of us at Hull, I think. However, yeah. Hull were one of the worst teams in the league last year, weren't they? So, I mean, I, I want to get a Jubis view on this as well. But why are Liverpool buying a relegated fullback? going into a big Champions League year. Is there a certain lack of... Is there a lack of investment, a lack of ambition? What's, what's the reason well, for that? No, no, is I, he good I, enough? I, I see your point. Yeah, you'd think on, on the face of it, it does look a bit odd. But he's a good young player who has impressed in the Premier League and you would say that he had the potential to grow and to elevate himself. He might he was in a bad team, but it doesn't make him necessarily mm. a bad player. And when he has played for Liverpool this season, Liverpool fans have been very impressed with him and I think he's done very well. But for whatever reason, Klopp obviously prefers Moreno. Yeah, I mean... If, if you see a player in a team, you think, you know what, he could fit how we play. He's got potential. He's a good young lad. And I can see him fitting in. For, you know, a club like Liverpool, when they, they do the transfers and the fans see that name, it's not something that's going to make them, yes, we're going to chart, make a charge. So there's going to be an element of disappointment in that. But if there's a, a long-term plan, you, you have like an established left-back player and you see that we're going to groom this one and he's going to be one to take the mantle in time, then there's a but when you need an immediate replacement and a need immediate uh, someone to go in there and push your current left back that's not doing a good job, or push your left back that's really an established English midfielder filling in at left back, you want now. You you want someone that's coming in now, and I think that's mm-hmm. where people might scratch their head and say, I don't get it. Uh, listen, we're nearly out of time on this, but I want to ask you how you feel the game will go. I mean, I have such high aspirations for this game. I put myself in as the matchday commentator. That's how excited I am about this one. I think Liverpool, though they've got deficiencies, get on the front foot. Chelsea, some of the goals they're scoring at the moment, not just the Carabao, but the second one against West Brom last week, irrespective of their issues. The Morata kind of 
Flick round the corner. Hazard round the keeper. It's brilliant right now watching Chelsea. This, in a season that hasn't delivered many great games, could really be one. I'm going to go for Chelsea win. I think there's going to be goals in it. I don't think there's going to be a clean sheet. Um, and I'm going to say 3-1 Chelsea. 3-1 Chelsea at Anfield. Dave, you agree? I think it will be a draw. High-scoring draw, low-scoring draw? I think 2-2. Two, 2-2! Two. Two, two. Yeah. Uh, I'm it's taking dead. Liverpool to win this by three goals to nil. Just for fun. Not really. Uh, <laughs> Michael Dupree, thank you very much for your no time worries, on the preview boys. show. Always good, uh, always good to chat to you, mate. Uh, when we come back in a few moments' time, Matthew Etherington is going to join us and we're going to talk about how you recover from sacking Tony Pulis. It's the Premier League preview show. And it's in the back of the net. Marcus Alonso has got the goal. And that is all too easy for Chelsea. Cesc Fabregas with a free kick outside the penalty area, left-hand side, whipped it across, and right at the far post, it's gone in the back of the net, and it looked very, very simple, and West Bromwich Albion's defending all over the place. You are listening to the Premier League preview show for game week 13 of the season. Tom Rennie and David Walker with you looking ahead to the first big weekend ahead of what's going to be the busiest and most definitive time of the season, the festive period of fixtures. Now, let's talk about West Bromwich Albion, shall we? They've sacked Tony Pulis after a dreadful run of form. Just two wins in 21 Premier League games across the back end of last and the start of this season. Albion just above the bottom three, just a point better off than West Ham, who have been been disastrous and just five points better off than Crystal Palace who didn't win a game for the first two and a half months. Pulis has gone, we look around for a manager and you kind of want a Tony Pulis type don't you in this kind of situation. A very difficult appointment yet to be made. Gary Megson in charge this weekend for a trip to Wembley to face Spurs. We are joined by a man who was coached by Tony Pulis at Stoke and played for Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League. Matthew Etherington is on the line. How are you mate? You're right. Good, thank you, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Listen, before we get into all that, I've got to say this first. You were with me on the show last week, and you <laughs> told me that West Ham were going to beat Watford 2-0 oh, no. and it was all going to be all right. I mean, it couldn't have been much worse. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Could it? Oh, it was horrendous, wasn't it? Um, I didn't expect it to be honest with you. Everything that I'd heard, like I said last week, the training was decent and it was, it was one of the worst performances I've seen. It, I mean, um, how do you get worse? How do you get worse than what they'd already done? I honestly don't know. I, I think, obviously, it's hard to judge Moyes after one game, but I think he's got his tactics completely wrong. 
um, for a start. You can't play Lanzini out on the left-hand side and ask him to track back and play basically as a full-back for most of the game. That that doesn't work. You need your best players playing in the best positions. But it, it, it was such a flat performance. The, the team looks one-paced. And after going away after that game, I thought, you know, we're really in trouble this season. I really think we are. Yeah, I think West Ham are in right trouble. Uh, thankfully for us on this show, though, it's Friday night football this week, West Ham Leicester, so we don't need to talk about it that much. That's great news for us. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> West Bromwich Albion, who somehow, considering how bad West Ham have been this season, are just a point above them. Firstly, the sacking of mm. Tony Pudis. Is it something that you would think is the, is the right thing to do? It's a dangerous move. I think the, the crowd has become more and more... Um, uh, angry and upset with the way that the team's played over the last year or so. It's been bubbling underneath the surface. I think it probably was the right time to change. Albeit you're taking a big risk because I don't think um, they're going down purely for the status manager. I think mm. that's a given of his track record. But they've taken a chance. Um, and then they've got a decent squad there. You know, you look at you look at some of the signings that Pius has made over his time there, and it's a decent enough squad, a, top, a squad for me that should be in and around mid-table. Um, so it'd be interesting. It's a, it's a massive appointment now. I think the likes of Alan Pardew wouldn't be a, a bad appointment just for that bounce, that bounce effect maybe. And he seems to do well when he first goes into clubs early on. So that that may be one. Uh, but they need to get it right. On Tony Pulis, right? Everyone's been saying that you know. It's because of the the way his side are playing football. The, the Baggies mm-hmm. fans have finally lost patience with his terrible football. And mm. yeah, I know there's something in that. But primarily, the reason this man's lost his job is nothing to do with the way his side's playing football. It's to do with results. Mm. He's not yeah. doing what Tony Pulis used to do. Their record is shocking. They average less than a goal a game during <laughs> his time in charge at, at West Brom. Only Swansea yeah. and Crystal Palace since he joined the club. Have a fewer yeah. points. They're heading down with Tony Pulis. Forget about the football, think, you know? No, I don't think they would have gone down. I don't think they would have gone Yes, the, the, the recent record is horrendous, but he even turned it around. There's, there's no doubt in my mind about that. But it, notoriously, Tony Pulis' side don't score many goals. It's about mm. keeping clean sheets. That's what he bases his football on and bases his teams around. Um, when we played him at Stoke, you know, we were decent at home on the front foot, um, getting at teams and, and had some decent players away from home. He set us up so defensively. You know, we were lucky if we scored a goal. We, you know, that's just the way he he is. That's his um, his remit, the way he works. And mm. ultimately, it, it's been relatively successful um, for the standard of teams that he's been at. Matt, I want to ask you about the game Spurs West Brom in a moment. Just one one final question on this kind of wider topic. Now, Chris Hutton has been speaking today, and he says, manager, he's the bright manager. He says they're in an era now where you don't get given as much time as you should. There's too much pressure. There's so much pressure. We're changing ownership. You need instant success. Uh, and it was really interesting pre-weekend we were shooting this week. Now, I just wonder, because of that, is that why we're talking about Alan Pardew coming in at West Bromwich Albion? Because he is, and it's not confirmed, he's just apparently been interviewed for the job uh, on Thursday uh, when we record the programme. Alan Pardew failed at Newcastle in the end. He was a massive failure at Crystal Palace, despite that initial boost. And I know you were there at a time in West Ham when he was great, but you were also mm. there at a time in West Ham where it was absolutely abysmal and they lost seven games in a row. After that yeah. kind of record, and you look at David Moyes and you look at Sam Allardyce potentially coming back and, and Roy, Roy, um, Roy Hodgson some, somehow getting a manager's job again in the Premier League, the imagination's gone, hasn't it, because of the pressure? Yeah, true. You know, you could point to maybe you know going down the lower leagues and managers that have been successful um, down there and giving them a chance. But Premier League teams won't do that because of the money involved, and they'll go with someone that's got experience in the Premier League. Um, isn't the right way to go, in my opinion. But yeah, Alan Pardew probably would be the the perfect fit right now. But 
he said, it, it, it's strange the way his career works out and when he's at club, he, he goes on runs where he does exceptionally well and, and then it doesn't work for some reason. I don't know whether the players lose faith in him or um, he gets a bit above his station, which you can attribute to him at times. Um, but that's just, that's just the way he manages his football team. But I think it would be the right fit for West Brom right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about West Ham, but let's not talk about David Moyes again. I'm trying to enjoy myself. <laughs> um, what about the game itself? It's Spurs uh, who host West Bromwich Albion this weekend. Tottenham winning their Champions League group. We spoke about it earlier on. Uh, but in the league against Arsenal last time out, never really turned up at the Emirates Stadium. How much the fact that they had a more important game coming out against Dortmund a few days later. I mean, there's a debatable point in there. Uh, how do you see Spurs setting up this weekend? And they need a big performance, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. They're often support against Arsenal. The Arsenal were very, very good last weekend. Um, Spurs didn't turn up, so that, that's a disappointment for them and the fans. Obviously, North London derby, that's as big as it gets. So um, I expect them to beat West Brom, but you know, if you look at Spurs' last home game for the international break against uh, Crystal Palace, they won that convincing, scored in the second half, um, and Palace had chances. So West Brom will go there, and I'm sure it will be set up, uh, you know, two banks of four or maybe a bank of five in midfield and, and try and frustrate Tottenham. And Tottenham hasn't been too free-scoring at Wembley, especially in the league, so uh, by the Liverpool game. But So, you know, they'll think maybe they can nick something, but you have to point towards Tottenham. Tottenham are a decent mm-hmm. side and um, they need to pick up because they're falling behind a little bit. You know, you look at the likes of uh, Chelsea and United and, and obviously Manchester City, they need to start picking up three points. Matt, I want to ask you as well about Crystal Palace against Stoke City. I find the story of the Crystal Palace absolutely fascinating. Uh, they have lost 20 Premier League games in 2017 so far, more than any other team. In 2016, they lost 22, more than any other team in the Premier League. Isn't it about time they got relegated? Because obviously, they are just not equipped to deal with this league. That record is appalling. It is. And, you know, when Roy came in, he had a couple of tough games against the top five. Then everyone was talking about the games after after the games against the top side, and they were relatively easier. But they still not picked that many points, so that would be a worry. Um, I've got another chance, obviously, against Stoke, who I thought was pretty decent against Brighton. Um, on Monday night, it was, a, it was a decent enough game. Um, so, yes, the, the form is horrendous, and they have to change it and change it. And you still fancy that they'll, they'll stay up. And, and you wouldn't bet against it under Roy, but and you've always got a chance with Zaha up front. He looks very, very good. Um, so it'll be interesting. Again, it's a game that you know they've got to look to get some points from, definitely. Eventually, your overperforming championship clubs have got to go, and Crystal Palace are exactly that. I've had enough of just watching them lose, change managers, have no identity. The league doesn't need Crystal Palace. Uh, what about Stoke City? That's something that's been thrown at them a few times down the years. Uh, you mentioned the game against Brighton on uh, Monday night. I actually was doing the commentary of the game, and I thought they were pretty much outplayed for the majority of the game uh, because, again, they were so, so deep, Stoke City, in the match. They were asking Brighton to come on to them, kept making individual errors. They just seemed to continually have this lack of direction uh, at Stoke City. I, I mean, I just don't know how you wake yourself and shake yourself out of that kind of slumber. Yeah, they're a frustrating side, Stoke. You know, I looked at them on Monday night, and they have got decent players going forward. Shaqiri's passed for the first goal. The thing was was fantastic in the first touch from him and, and the way he finished it. It's a great goal. And they have got good players going forward. I like Ramadan on the left-hand side. He's, he's still developing, but I think he'll be a very good player. I, I like them going forward, but yeah, there is, there's no you know, defined direction going at the back and it seems a bit off the cuff. And, and I don't like the way they mark zonally from set pieces, mm. etc. But it's, um, yeah, it, it's a strange one, really. So for the same side, I'll probably finish mid-table again this season. 
Um, and they're just an average Premier League team for me, a team that are very inconsistent. But uh, and and again, it's, it's kind of weird. The same appearance at West Brom. There there is a little bit of um, unrest really with the fans and the, and the way the club's going. Albeit, you know, they should be happy on mid-table every season. But uh, you know, fans always want more. And mm. I just think that the way the team are playing, especially at home, is a bit boring. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out during the season. Uh, Matt, one other quick team I wanted to get your view on before we go, because, of course, you watched West Ham Watford last week, and I don't just want David Walker gushing about Watford for 20 minutes when we talk about it. So, having watched Watford last week against West Ham, mm. were Watford really good or were West Ham really bad? What impressed you about Watford last week before their game against Newcastle this week? Well, I thought I was impressed with Watford, but they didn't have to beat much, to be honest. There's probably a little bit of both. I like Will Hughes. I thought he looked very, very good. I like the wing-backs as well. Um, Ziegler and um, Firmino, uh, loads of energy um, on the wings. Very, very good. The core, they looks a player. They, they've got some very good players there that I was impressed with. Andre Gray did okay, held the ball up, was strong physically. So they're a decent side of Watford. And for me, they're definitely the top half side from what I've seen on Sunday. Love that, Dave. Yeah, I take that. He's having that. Oh, you know, you're not meant to come on here and cheer him up, mate. You're meant to be. You're meant to be my mate. You're meant to be doing me oh, a no, favour. Yeah, well, we can't. We can't praise West Ham, can we? So. Do you know what? I don't think we've been out to do that since we met. No, <laughs> it's no, so yeah, depressing. It's, uh, yeah, but yeah, depressing. Watford, very, very good last week. And I fancy him against Newcastle this. Matthew Etherington, former Premier League winger. Thank you for joining us, my friend. And we'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, big game against Newcastle this weekend for Watford. Three David. games in a row. Three defeats in a row for Newcastle. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird watching Newcastle right now because everything still seems to be there apart from Jamal Lascelles. And you take him out of that back line, the mistakes creep in, don't they? Yeah, and... There's been a bit of unrest at Watford with the managerial situation, but it looks like it might be put to bed now. As I understand it, Silva wants to leave, but the club. I mean, it's evident. The fact. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah. The, the listeners around the world might not get this one, but I'm doing it anyway. It reminds me of the 1970s TV comedian Dick Emery had a famous character <laughs> which says, "Who you are, awful, but I like you." And that's essentially yeah. what he was doing. I'm not sure how well that will play globally. But I don't know yeah. if you can do that. I, I don't know. I like it. Look it up. There's a YouTube. Google it. Yeah. Google it. But I mean, but that's what he was doing, evidently. Watford want to keep him. They're playing hardball. I think they're probably going to keep him. And I think he'll crack on and that's good. But, you know, yeah, it's, in, it's an interesting game up at Newcastle. They could do with a win. So it's a big game for them. I just think Newcastle are in a situation now where the takeover talks continue. Uh, it's very unlikely any of that is going to get done before the January transfer window. If Newcastle don't bring someone in who can finish off chances. As much as Mitrovic has his moments and Josselu has uh, a good work ethic, without that, I can't help but feel that Newcastle are going to be in serious, serious trouble uh, going into the second half of this season, irrespective of what's happened so far. They're 14th right now. That's just five points above West Ham. And it's worth mentioning, before we go on to the next section, as David so rightly says, that everybody below Watford right now is in it. Watford and Burnley are just enough points away for them not to be in the conversation. The rest are in it. Uh, so there's hope for West Ham, hope for Swansea and hope for Palace too. Let's go on to some other games in a few moments' time. It's the Premier League preview show. Ever since Matthew Etherington said how good Watford were, it's been annoying to me how happy David Walker has been. He's alongside me, Tom Rennie, on the Premier League preview show this week. Um, I mean, you might finish sixth, right? You've taken down Arsenal. Every chance. Now Silver staying. I think we've got the best chance we'll ever have. Yeah. 
It's open. The door no, is open. Seventh or eighth, you know, is is, is there is the aim really? It's so depressing to see you happy. Uh, right, let's get on to some other games. Uh, tell you who's not happy: Paul Clement, Swansea City. They take on Bournemouth this weekend. Mm. Uh, they find themselves second bottom, just above Crystal Palace and below West Ham. Paul Clement, the manager, has said this week: "We're sad. We're not performing well, but we." Still have belief that we can turn things around. Tammy Abraham is a doubt. Wilfred Bonny and may know, and well that, start. And that, Tammy Abraham being a doubt, is bad news for Swansea. Tell me why. he has been uh, involved in 71% of their goals, which is the highest of any player in the Premier League for one individual team. I mean, there is just seven goals, so you can prove anything with stats as compared to Man City, well, who scored 40. It still suggests that if Tammy Abraham doesn't play... The chances of them scoring are remote. Yeah, Wilfred Bonny has not worked out. Where else are they coming from? Well, they're coming from nowhere, and he's a major doubt for this weekend. Um, I I just wonder with Swansea, again, maybe a little bit like Crystal Palace, maybe like Villa before them and Sunderland before them, they've got to come a time where continued season-upon-season struggles culminate in a relegation. Because I wonder whether it might have done Sunderland a favour, for example, if they went down a couple of years earlier and didn't keep trying to fight against the tide. Mm. Uh, and eventually you get yourself in such a rut yeah. with players like John O'Shea that you continue to, to be like, well, what do we do well, now? Sunderland just a really badly run club and they continue to be in the championship in the lower reaches at the bottom of the championship as, as we speak. Well, we can't say Swansea are a well-run club anymore, can we no, really? We could, we could do for many years because they were really good and they were very good at losing managers. They had Martinez, they had Brendan Rodgers, Michael Laudrup and whoever they lost they got someone else in who carried on played in roughly the same style of football their recruitment was good but it, they've lost their way I know there's been ownership changes in the last few years um, Hugh Jenkins is not the uh, sort of powerful figure that he once was at the club although he's still involved and leave with the fans as well that like used to be yeah so it's, things have changed there and they've not got the last few appointments right and have they got this one right well at the moment it doesn't look like it they're, if they lose against Bournemouth at the weekend, they will have lost five games in a row for the first time in their top-flight history. Wow. So it's not looking good. Um, and it's Bournemouth this weekend. And a few weeks ago on this show, we are talking about how Bournemouth had a championship squad. But what they've got is a manager who knows that I get the best out of them. And there's been a few really good performances in recent weeks. A 4-0 win over Huddersfield, uh, I think, was less impressive in some ways than the win over Newcastle before the international break. Because in that game... I mean, they had to hold on. They had to scrap at St. James's Park. They got a late, late, late winner in that game. It was a 90-second minute or something that header went in. Mm. That was the moment I thought, there's, I don't think they're going to go down because they still feel like they're in every game. I still feel like they're going to have enough to get the 35 points. And I think it's going to be 35 points to stay up this season. And in this game, I'd back Bournemouth. Well, Callum Wilson returning and being amongst the goals is good news for them. He's had his problems with injuries, but whenever he's played and he's been fit, he has looked a real handful in the Premier League. Interestingly, 43% of his Premier League goals have been as part of hat-tricks. Is that right? Yeah, six of his 14 goals. And this is why you're on board, mate. Um, but, I mean, you fancy Bournemouth for this one? Well, the only thing I would say is that often, when, when you're looking at it from a, from a betting perspective... There we go. Right. If a team is losing, they've lost four in a row... And Bournemouth have had a good run, two clean sheets. Which Bournemouth have never kept three clean sheets in a row in the Premier mm. League. Swansea have never, ever lost five games in a row in their top flight history, not just the Premier mm. League. You know, but so that's that, only about three seasons. That would, no, but, you know, going back, they were, you know, they were top flight presence in years gone by. About half and, hour, one year, 97 and, or something. You know, so you, wouldn't, you would think that these runs have got to come to an end at some point. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be overly optimistic that Bournemouth are going to do it. And it's one, you know, Swansea, they might get a win. They might be a draw. 3 0 Bournemouth. Right, what about Brighton? They go to Man United this weekend. Uh, it's going to be live in the UK on Talksport. It's live outside the UK with our global broadcast partners. Um, 
on TalkSport 2, I should say. Listen, a fantastic um, performance, I thought, for Brighton on, on Monday. Didn't beat Stoke. I think they've really got goal scorers. They've got great organisation. Duncan yeah. Duffy looked great together. But I want to highlight one player to you, Dave. I wonder who it's going to be. No, you're not going to get it. Oh, no. Okay. It is Ezekiel Scalotto. That's not who I thought it was going to be. He came on for the last couple of minutes. And I was doing the game with former Brighton man Clive Walker. And we were just stunned how... This guy could be anywhere near a Premier League team. He looked a bit like if Emmanuel Pogatetz was a winger. Like, he was so <laughs> abysmal. Good. And yet, it's still, there was this one point where he cut inside and, was, and he, he somehow beat the defender, which was Peters, and they put a crossover with the right boot as if, like, you know when a fan comes on at half-time and takes a penalty in their dress shoes and they're awful? It was like that. And yet, he is in their squad and they are winning games and they're, they're getting in crucial points. And when I look at him having to come on, this is where I think that Brighton could be in a bit of trouble because if they get a couple of injuries now, if Izquierdo, who I love as a, as a player, scored the second goal and should have scored in the early in that game as well, if he goes now, they look at Solly March. Solly March, I don't think, is, is quite ready to be in the Premier League right now. And you know, the bench wasn't strong enough. Half the first team, I'm not sure, would, would make a Premier League first team. The defence is good. I like the keeper. Bruno at 36 is going to get found out at some point. I feel as if that... I don't think they can go to Man United and be like, right, it's a great day out and we can't get something from this. We know that if you can shut Man United up, frustrations grow at Old Trafford, irrespective of their great home form. There's a lot of draws in the unbeaten run. I don't think they can go into this game and be like, well, it's a nice day out. And I think they've they got to go there and they've got to try and get something because every point is crucial going into the next few weeks. Well, they've really impressed me so far this season. I thought they'd be right down there. But at the moment, they're looking, you know, they're, they're in that mix. But they... They've outperformed expectations yep. so far. Pascal Gross has been an excellent player. Is that who you thought I was going to pick out? Yeah. Watch Galotto, mate. That's where the fun so. is. You know, he's, been, he's laid on goals for others. He's scored goals himself. He looks like a really shrewd bit of business. Chris Hewton has experience of managing in the Premier League. It hasn't always gone very well for him. People have questioned whether or not he's cut out to manage a team at Premier League level. Mm. But he's come back time and time again. He's got teams out of the Championship and... Maybe this is the time that he's learnt. He's learnt from those experiences, and maybe this is the time that he keeps them up. It's a good setup at Brighton, and they are. There is potential for them to develop and for them to grow and to invest if they can sustain Premier League football. But of course, this is going to be a difficult game against Manchester United. Manchester United have not lost against a team in their debut Premier League season since 1997. Who was that against? Do you remember? Palo One Shop. Yeah, Palo One Shop. What's Derby that? County. Derby. Yeah. yeah. One of the great goals. I'm so pleased to have got that. Uh, yeah, one of the great goals of all time. When he picks up on the halfway, beats three, beats, beats Peter Schmeichel. Uh, fabulous. Um, but in midweek, we mentioned it top of the programme. Didn't find their rhythm. Man United, uh, Fellaini and a couple of headers at the post. And, and they've got defensive injury problems as well. I think Bailly might be back, but there's no Jones uh, coming into this weekend. I, I mean, there's the chance. I don't think Brighton are going to score a goal, but there's every chance they might stop Man United, depending on whether Pogba and Lukaku and Zlatan are on their very best form. Listen, let's move on to Man City, Huddersfield Town. Dave, I've got a stat for you. I know you love a stat. I've got oh, yeah. one for you. Man City beat Huddersfield 10-1 yeah, yeah, yeah. in November 1987. And today, it's the last time a club has scored 10-plus goals in an English top-flight match. I think that this is potentially going to be the second time it's happened. This Huddersfield Town team, I love them. We all love them in a lot of ways. The win against West Brom, you know, everything about the atmosphere. I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago. It's my favourite game of the season so far. The way they just clung on to get something in that game. But this Man City team are so far above everybody else. And when you've got a newly promoted side, and when they've maybe got more points than they would have expected, I think there's a certain level of comfort here that City can exploit. And I think City... 
I mean, I think they're going to batter everyone, but I think they could really do some damage here at Huddersfield Town. They do look absolutely exceptional at the moment. It's finally come together. Everything didn't quite go right this time last year for Guardiola. He was still ironing out the creases in that team, still wasn't happy with all the players. He's got the players he wants. He's developed the players he had last season. They are absolutely on fire. They're playing football, you know, like the likes of which we probably had never seen in mm. the Premier League before. And at the, you know, if they win this match, in fact, they will have the outright, outright best points tally of a side after 13 games for Premier League season mm. ever. They will be record setters. And it looks like at the moment, unless something happens, unless they lose some big matches, unless they get, come unstuck over Christmas again, it looks like they're going to canter to the Premier League title this season. Look, my opinions, like the weather, are very changeable. What about Huddersfield winning this game? They've beaten United already. What about a Manchester double at the, at the John Smiths? Well, why not? But they, they did draw nil-nil with Man City last season in the FA Cup fifth round at Huddersfield, which is where this game is being played at the weekend. City mm. won the replay 5-1 at the Etihad. So, you know, most of the, you know, the, the lineups have changed a little bit, but there are certainly a lot of players that would have played in both matches. They'll, they'll have to take heart from that. Who knows? Who knows? I love that positive mental attitude. What about Burnley? Uh, they are just below the top six right now. Essentially the best of the rest. Uh, great run of form they're on as well. Three straight victories. I just wonder whether now the Marco Silva thing has kind of finished, whether they might look at Everton, this is, might go looking at Sean Dyche again, because that was the big rumour yeah. 30 days ago. Well, I think they would have already looked at him if they were going to look at him, mm. to be honest with you. Uh, I think he was linked with Leicester job as well, wasn't it, when, he, when that came up earlier in the season. And somebody at some point will need to take a punt on him. And and I, I say take a punt on him, it wouldn't necessarily really be taking a punt. If you look at his record, it's proven. Mm. It's as good. I saw him, his record was compared to Roberto Martinez and Brendan Rodgers recently, who both uh, managers of Wigan and of Swansea got big moves to Everton and to Liverpool, respectively. And Dyche's record is is comparable to both of those, but he's never in the conversation for that class of clubs. I just wonder on that whether it's because the football is... Pulis-esque. He plays what was brilliantly written the other week as reality ball. Mm. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's yeah, going to be something that when you're a big club... The difference being, as we, as we said earlier on, it, winning football is, is the most important. Mm. Manchester United don't play great football every week. And the natives are restless. Listen, we've got to move on. Arsenal are the opponents this week at Turf Moor. Mesut Ozil looks like he's getting back to a little bit of form. Yeah. I thought he was fantastic in the North London derby last week. He's uh, created more goal-scoring chances this season from open play than any other player. It's all that's, That always exists. But, I mean, I, I always wonder what counts as a goal-scoring chance. And if you're the guy that does play all the through balls, I'm not saying he's bad at it, but I don't like that stat. It, it drives me mad, the goal-scoring chances thing. It's like expected goals. It's garbage. Uh, when he has a bad game, it makes three passes through to someone who then has a shot. Or let you get an assist for giving someone a... A square ball, 50 yards from goal, because they hit it in. It's nonsense. It's garbage. However, he does look good again, Mesut Ozil. I mean, I suppose you will play good when you're playing for a move. I wonder if the Arsenal fans will be happy with, what, six more great games of Ozil and Alexis Sanchez before they leave the club. If it gets him into the top four, then probably, yeah. Then that'll do. Um, that is two o'clock this Sunday, UK time. One game you not mentioned. Uh, Southampton against Everton. It's 1.30 on Sunday, uh, and Southampton, boy, it's tough to watch right now. It really, really is. Two straight defeats, just nine goals scored uh, this season. However, Everton, terrible away from home. 14 winless matches in yeah. the Premier League. Their worst run since the late 90s, or the mid-90s, 1997. I mean, 
They are directionless, Everton. They are great and, and, and the whole thing of getting Marco Silva, it, to me, strikes me as a desperate move. They are a, they are a club with loads of money, and they haven't got a plan. Yeah, they've got rid of their manager, and they're thinking, oh, who can we get? Oh, All dressed up and going home with David Unsworth. Well, exactly. It's happened to the best of us, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Interesting though about Everton. I was looking through the stats as as I so often do, Tom. Um, they have made more substitutions before the start of the second half. I mean, quite an incredible amount of substitutions before the start of the second half this season. Yeah, here you go. Everton have made the earliest substitutions on average this season, 65th minute. Made more subs before the start of the second half than any other Premier League side. Nine, I mean, nine changes before the start of the second half. That's mad. I mean, that That's is, madness. Yeah. But, it, I mean, you know, as you say, it, it, it backs up the point you made. You don't need the stats when you made such a good point. They're directionless. Um, and as a Southampton, I mean, whatever happens, this is our only year of Manuel Pellegrino. So enjoy accidentally saying his name as Pellegrini while it lasts, because it ain't going to last very long. Listen, we're out of time for another preview show. Our thanks to Michael and Matthew, and of course to David Walker as well. I'll be back along with Dave next week for... Oh, I've got Tuesday. I won't be here next week. You're not next week. You know where I'm going to be? I'm going to be in Moscow. Oh, really? For the World, for the World Cup? Cup? Sure. Oh, yeah. I'll, so give, I'll give you a ring. I'd love a ring. Yeah. I'd love you to contribute to the programme. Okay. I know you're a busy man, but we need you. All right. Uh, all right. So he's not back next week, but I will be because I am tethered to this studio for some more Premier League previewing. I've been Tom Rennie. Enjoy the football. I'll see you then. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 